Hey everybody, welcome to our first FlexCast. My name is Allie Min. I'm a faculty member in the Department of Emergency Medicine and the Assistant Dean for Faculty Development at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Tucson. This is the Faculty Learning Exchange. We're hopefully we're going to bring up issues and talk about things that are important for faculty development, both professionally and personally. Our target audience is faculty here at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Tucson, but hopefully we're going to bring up issues that are generalizable and relevant to faculty anywhere at any academic medical center who are looking to, to grow. So um, I want to take some time to introduce our panel, our first panel. So we have Dr. Conrad Clemens, who's professor in the Department of Pediatrics, Dr. Mari Ricker, associate professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine, and Dr. Amber Rice, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine. So our first topic for our Flex podcast is going to be based on an article called Using Your Personal Mission Statement to Inspire and Achieve Success. This article was published in 2017 in Academic Pediatrics, and you can find the link to the article in the show notes. We thought this would be a great topic to tackle with our first podcast because I think it's an important issue taking time to reflect on what's important to you and using this to guide your professional development seemed like a really important step for everyone who's uh, working in academic medicine and hoping to develop professionally. So first, we should talk about kind of the framework of the article. So Conrad, do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, thanks, Allie. Um, I really love this article, and I appreciated that there's an acronym that they use named INSPIRE. I sometimes have a hard time remembering the order to do things in, and so this has been good for me. Um, and what I thought I'd do and as we talked about is just go through each letter in this acronym INSPIRE and describe what that is, and then I think later in the podcast we'll get into some more detail about what these, uh, what these mean. So INSPIRE, I-N-S-P-I-R-E, the first I uh, in this article talks about identifying your core values. Um, you know, they talk about core values are a consistent part of yourself uh, and do not change according to circumstances, setting, or activity. Um, you know, what are your proudest accomplishments and what are those things that can link all of your proudest accomplishments together that really identify you? The N in INSPIRE then is to name the population that you serve. Um, if you can really more focus that population, be it I'm a pediatrician or if you're a family physician or you work with students teaching or residents, what is the population that you serve so you can better focus that mission statement? Um, the S is in INSPIRE is setting your vision. Um, I liked how they had commented on, you know, what is it that you want to do to change the world? Something pretty big and pretty bold, uh, but what is that vision? Uh, um, and how, how is it that you really want to make a difference? The P in inspire is, is the, the how you do it. So the what is your vision. The P is plan how you will achieve your vision. Um, what is it that you're going to do? What are the goals you need to set up? What are the challenges that you're going to be facing? How is that all going to work? The I in inspire, the second I, is identify activities that align with your mission. What are those things that actually will get you where you want to go? And this not only allows you to say yes to opportunities, but perhaps more importantly, allows you to say no to those things that may not align with what you really want to do, which is a challenge for I know all of us. 
The R in inspire is review, revise, and refine your mission statement. We'll talk about this, I know, in a little bit. But this is a really an iterative process. Um, and it isn't something that you just develop once and then let go for the rest of your career. Um, and so it's important that, um, that you continually do that. And then finally, the E in inspires enlist others to help you accomplish your mission. Um, these are not siloed things that we're doing. We need other people to help us not only, not only accomplish our mission, but help us along this journey. Um, who are our mentors? Who are people that can help um, support us um, through these? And so that's inspire. I'll just go over it one more time. The I is identify your core value, name the population that you serve, set your vision, plan how you will achieve your vision, identify activities that align with your mission, review, revise, and refine your mission statement, and finally enlist others to help you accomplish your mission. Inspire. Awesome. Thanks, Conrad. So we're just going to talk a little bit about just, um, I think, some core ideas in the framework before we get into more of the discussion about how we all worked through it. So um, Amber, do you want to quickly just go over what core values are? Yeah, so core values being um, sort of the internal part of the exercise. So this is you identifying things that are important to you personally. So this may not necessarily relate to what you're outside vision looks like or what you see in the future, but it's it sort of guides how you feel, how you view success, um, the internal part uh, of what you're of what you're trying to accomplish. So everyone has core values. Um, it's sort of a guide for how you live your life. And these are the things that don't really change over time. It's things that are things that you believe in personally, um, but can really help you to um, focus your energies on things that will allow you to um, feel very comfortable with the decisions you make and, and um, not feel you know, guilt about some of the decisions you are or aren't making. Mm -hmm. And Mari, what do you think about personal vision and mission? Yeah, um, thank you, Allie. You know, I think defining your vision is really one of the most challenging steps here because it's really hard for those of us who are very goal-oriented in medicine, especially academic medicine, and that vision is stepping back and um, out of your day-to-day, -day, out of the getting out of the weeds and thinking, what, what do I want the world around me to look like? Which is really hard to think about. So what do I want academic medicine or medical education or graduate medical education or my specialty to look like at the end of my career? What impact will I have that sort of sets, sets that up? And um, that is really challenging to do because we're very focused on setting goals. So figuring out what that success will look like when you get there and then stepping back and figuring out what things you have to accomplish along the way to achieve that, that vision or that success. Um, I think it's really helpful to do that, but as I said, very challenging. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but once you figure that out, it can really help you, um, as Amber was saying, use those core values and um, figure out what aligns with those values and that vision. Um, if someone asks you, is this something you want to be involved in? You can look through that lens of this is where I want to be or what I want things to look like at the end. Does this help me get there or is this in line with um, the things that I think will help us get to that, that end result? I also think it's interesting. There's an article in 2009 um, that talked about meaningful work. And I think um, 
it's really important to remember that if we do more meaningful work, which is doesn't have to be as we think maybe 100% of our work, but this study in 2009 showed that if you do more than 20% of your work with something that you find to be deeply meaningful, it uh, reduced your personal burnout. And that 20% is the cutoff. So people who had less than 20% of their time doing things that were really meaningful had much higher rates of burnout. So I think that is another reason to, um, to focus on this. Great, thank you. So I think we want to talk a little bit about who might benefit from doing this going through this process, when somebody should go through it and how they might do that. And I think maybe the best way to go through all that might just be to share how we each did that and kind of our reflections and thoughts about the process. Amber, do you want to start? Yeah. So, I mean, I, as the sort of more junior faculty member in the panel here, I, I think that for me, uh, trying to identify, you know, where I see myself at the very end of my career and what that looks like to me, I, I thought was really challenging. Um, I think for me, focusing on sort of what my next steps are um, in terms of in line for promotion or where I see my career going, am I going more of a research direction or am I going, you know, more of a just purely clinical direction? And so for me, it was good to sort of really identify what I felt was really important and what I valued and then um, being able to look at the activities that I'm doing and the things that are being offered to me as a junior faculty member to sort of guide things that I might want to spend more time on versus time things I want to spend less time on and and trying to find, you know, for me, my core one of my core values being to, to be able to maintain balance in my life that to do that, I have to, you know, maybe pay attention to things when I'm when I'm accepting new roles or that I'm taking on new jobs um, that I that I'm able to focus a little bit on that so that I'm not burning out in the first year of my career. So um, for me, it was a little bit challenging to see um, towards the end of my career, but at least guiding this sort of like front end of my career um, in the beginning of academics, I think was, it was really helpful. When we were talking before, you mentioned something about what I think we often all struggle with is when we kind of have imposter syndrome or compare ourselves to what other peers are doing. What do you, did you find anything in this process that maybe helped helped with that? Yeah, definitely. I, it's very easy early on to see what everybody else is doing because you're trying to do what everybody else is doing. So you're trying to, um, you're looking at what other people are accomplishing and and comparing, and comparing yeah. yourself to mm -hmm. them. And, and when you go through this process of really writing down what your goal, your mission, and what your personal values are, uh, it's a little bit easier to see that, well, maybe those things aren't, I mean, I'm not missing out on that much. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm doing a better job than I thought on really focusing my energies and, and I don't have to feel so guilty about, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, like I'm missing out on an opportunity that it maybe doesn't fit with my personal values mm -hmm. and, Great. and my, my mission and my academic career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's super important to think about because I think, like I said, we often fall victim to comparing ourselves, feeling like, you know, we're, we're imposters in the work that we're doing or mm -hmm. we should be doing other things. And I think this exercise, like you said, really helps you think about what matters to you and, and deciding what activities really you need to be, to be working on. Conrad is, is the, uh, more senior faculty member in our group here. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's really been helpful to me, even as I've gone through my career, not so much with this uh, acronym, but um, I've been impressed with myself about how 
I need to get out of my head. Um, I often will have ideas about what I think, what I want to do. And then when I test them with other people, they morph or they change or they, and, and, and they're always better. And so my tendency has been to try to do this in, in, in isolation, mm. which I do, but I've been blessed with really some fantastic mentors who um, are able to sort of pull me out and help me to um, think through things. And then they also, um, in the E here, um, where we enlist others, have been really great in helping me to almost be my snowplow parent, if you will, um, help to move things out of the way that allow me to, to be successful. Um, but my, to reiterate, my take home message is um, I needed to get outside my head um, and take the, have the courage to share some of these thoughts with other people who, who make things better. That's interesting to hear you say that because I found it really hard when I did this process to actually share my mission and vision. I found it really vulnerable. I know I emailed it to you guys and just said, hitting send. I was having some palpitations. So I, it's great to hear that you were able to share those with mentors because I even had trouble sharing it with some of mine because it's, it's when you think about your core values, the things that are deeply, deeply meaningful to you, when you write that out on paper, it can, it can be a little bit scary. And, um, you put something so personal down on paper and, um, wondering, are people going to judge this? Are people going to think this is a silly vision? I mean, those are some of the thoughts that went through my mind. So I, I appreciate hearing that from you. Um, I can talk a little bit about my process. I feel very lucky that I, um, in the middle of my career, was doing a leadership course. And as a part of that course, was sort of forced to go through this process and had never thought about it before. And the reason I feel really grateful for it is we had a lot of time and space to do that early work, that um, that big picture visioning, which, as I said earlier, I find really challenging because um, you're supposed to think of something bigger than yourself. And that feels really really overwhelming. Um, and so we did a lot of writing exercises where we would write, you know, what do I want to teach in 10 years? What do I want to be remembered for in 20 years? Um, and just um, reading back over those later and seeing if there's themes and picking out those values and those things to determine what that vision is. So I feel really lucky that I had that experience. And then we used coaching groups. So we had many iterations of our mission vision that we shared and rewrote and um, over several days actually broken out over months. So that was a process that I went through. And I honestly don't know if I would have the um, ability to sit down and do this on my own because um, being inside my head is actually harder for me <laughs> than it is for you. <laughs> I have trouble being inside my head um, for too long, get a little bit lost. So, <laughs> When I went through the process, I found it really challenging. I had to do a little self-reflection and I realized that I'm really good at setting SMART goals for myself. I'm sure everybody knows what the SMART acronym means for for your goals. So I'm, I'm pretty good at setting these short-term, immeasurable, realistic, attainable goals. That's sort of where I excel, I think. And I am not good at thinking about big, what they call in the article, BHAGs, right? Be hair, big, hairy, <laughs> audacious <laughs> goals. I am really not good at finding my BHAG and I don't, I don't know why I just, I find it difficult to maybe kind of like Mari said, thinking about something bigger than yourself, what success for me looks like at the end of my career. I just, I have a hard time kind of visioning that. And so writing that down and, and, and going through this process, I found really difficult and I tried to do it all by myself alone 
and uh, shared it only with my husband. <laughs> so I'm working on enlisting others and, and trying to find ways to help people help get people to help me get there. But I think the first step of just trying to figure out what that even means is for me, the big challenge. And finding that time, because I think that this is not something you can do in a in an hour, really, like, and finding that time carved out from our already busy work lives is really, is really hard. You know, one of the things I think about is if we think about this as an iterative process, um, it does sort of allow us to relax a little bit. You know, if you get it wrong <laughs> the first time, <laughs> you really need to re relook at it, whether it's on a yearly basis on your annual review. It's going to be perfect the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I thought, what if I'm wrong with my BHAG? Mm -hmm. Or what if I'm wrong with my even core values? I mean, we think that these are all easy. And I think that it's okay to... Um, morph them over time, mm -hmm. uh, both because there's reality outside mm -hmm. and life is changing around you. Um, but also you do have some time. Um, you want to get it right as possible, but it's okay if you're not totally right. That's a great point. It takes it the pressure out, off a little bit. brings out the perfectionism in us when we think if we write it down that this has to be our yeah. big thing, right? And how often, I mean, you said iterative, how often do you think you would do, do you do this every year, every other year? I've only done this once, yeah. so I'm just curious. I may not go through the entire long process every year, but I relook at it every, at least every year. Um, you don't I, use the acronym every year. I, I well, I, will, I. yeah. <laughs> I mean, recently I now will go through it okay. and sort of do that, but it may be quicker. Um, and I think it's a tweaking rather than a, a really resetting it um, um, totally. Um, but it's helpful to me. I actually may think about this on a sometimes a daily, a monthly, I mean, not through the whole process, but you're always playing this um, back and it. forth with yeah. your reality. So It seems like when we go through the annual review process, that might be a natural time to, to maybe not go through the whole deep process, but at least have an idea of what your mission and vision are when you go in to meet with your, your chair, whoever you do your annual review with, to have some focus because as in my experience, they want to know what are your goals for the year? And it, I guess reflecting on these um, before you are in, in that process could be really helpful to think about before you, you're in that review. And also that's often a time when people offer you um, new opportunities. Hey, there's this, there's this uh, position opening up or there's opportunities for research. And if you have a clear picture of your, um, your mission and vision going into those kind of meetings, you can um, not feel um, put on the spot and you can be able to think more quickly, okay, does this align with the things that I want to work on over the next two years and be able to say, well, that's a great opportunity, but this year I'm working on, you know, undergraduate medical education. And I think working on more residency might, might take away from that purpose that I have right now. I think the other thing that this process really helped me to identify was places in my in my career or in my life that I had not identified a real solid mentor for. So mm. I, I have mentors in my specialty that, that I that I work with all the time and I find their input very valuable. Uh, what I realized was there are other of my core values or other parts of my, my vision and my mission that I don't think that I had really identified a, a mentor or somebody to help guide me through that process. And I think that that was really helpful as well to sort of figure out you know, what, maybe how to get to some of these other things that I want that I'm just not able to figure out on my own. I think that's a great point. And maybe a segue to a future podcast on dun, dun, dun. mentorship networks or something <laughs> like that. Um, 
Well, that's great. I think it's a great discussion. So just to kind of summarize, um, we've, you've all heard about this framework now from this article. Um, and I think we all have realized that taking some time to think about what matters to us and what we want to see our careers become helps us give some direction to, to the path that we're taking and the choices that we're making and where we want to spend our energy um, and kind of prioritizing things a little bit. I hope that you all can find some time to do this in your schedule and, and find it helpful as you're navigating your own career paths and developing. We want to end each of our podcasts with a little flex fun moment. For our first fun moment, Mari just hosted a glow yoga session. And Mari, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, <laughs> Conrad's really excited. He's signing up glow for the next yoga. <laughs> so we got a bunch of faculty and partners and folks that worked with together and did uh, a yoga class with black lights. And we took glow in the dark paint and made designs on our faces and our arms and did a yoga class together. It was, and there was music and uh, it wasn't a rave, uh, but we uh, we had a great time. And How many people came to your glow yoga? There were 12 plus the instructor and oh, 13. Okay. So it was great. Sounds so fun. I can highly recommend it as a way to you know, have fun with people you work with. Awesome. So thanks everyone for listening to our first podcast. Check out the show notes for links to the articles that we talked about today and a little bit about our bios and hopefully you'll tune into our next flex. Thanks. Thanks. thanks.